This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv. Good day and welcome to our podcast. This is Camp Hacker, episode 111, recorded on the 18th of January, 2019. On today's show, focusing on first-year families. We know that the Camp Hacker podcast isn't the most regular of shows. That's why we recommend you subscribe to Camp Hacker in whatever podcast app you have on your phone. This week's Camp Hacker podcast is sponsored in part by camp pros like you who support the show on Patreon. If you've got even one good idea from the Camp Hacker podcast, you could show your support for the show for as little as $1 a month. For chipping in, you'll get some great rewards too, just like you would with a Kickstarter campaign. Please go to patreon.com forward slash camphacker. Thanks for letting your awesome out, Camp Mavericks. We hope you enjoy the Camp Hacker show. Hello, Camp Pros, and welcome to the Camp Hacker podcast. My name is Travis Allison. You probably know me from the Summer Camp Professionals group, from campmavericks.com, and from the Masterclass programs on Go Camp Pro. Great. Um, my name is Dan Weir. I'm the Director of Camping Services at Frost Valley YMCA. Frost Valley is a year-round camp conference education facility up in the Catskills. Uh, the heart of our program, though, is a summer camp, and that's what I oversee. And um, yeah, uh, this is was my 22nd summer working summer camps. So. And my name is Gabrielle Rail. I'm one of the camp directors of Camp Oro. Camp Oro is an all-girls camp situated in the Laurentian Mountains in Quebec. And we focus on creating a positive female community while doing that in French and English. My name's Joe Richards. I'm the executive director at Pierce Williams, which is a summer camp and retreat facility in southwestern Ontario. We're located about halfway between Detroit and Toronto. And I'm Jaleesa Danhoff. I'm the assistant director at Camp Nuego. We're an all-girls camp in western Michigan, open year-round for retreats and community events. And welcome, everybody. It's great to have everyone here. Nice to have the gang back together again. Uh, I want to say if you are a, a, a audio-only podcast listener, I would encourage you to go to find Camp Hacker on YouTube for just this episode in particular, just so you can see what Joe is wearing. Joe has very kindly gone to the, the best build, building on Pierce Williams for internet speeds, but it is 10 degrees, which would be like 45 degrees for everyone to understand what he's going through. Uh, so oh, yeah. Thank you, Joe. And no uh, thank you also to Talisa for joining us again. It's great to have you. Happy to be here. I'm glad you could fit it in. Uh, glad you fit us in. We are, uh, we're going to talk today about a topic that has been um, a, given a lot more importance in the last few years. It's certainly been a, a bone of mine. It's something that I've been talking a lot about and doing a lot of work on with my clients, which is what to do with first-year families, first-time campers, first-time joining your camp families as well. And um, there is some really interesting research, and we've been doing some more of it with, with our clients, on um, the lifetime, the typical lifetime of campers. So most camps, when they start to do the research, and if you're not doing this research, you need to be tracking this kind of thing. I cannot say that any plainer. Uh, most camps, when kids come, there is a point at which kids will come just by the, the metrics, the kids will come and then stay coming. And that's usually after kids have been there twice. And so the big head tip to Camp Champions in Texas, who was the first one I heard of, who really done something about this research, realized that if they could get kids to come that second season, then those kids would just come forever as long as they were able to. And um, it, it's been something that I've been working on, as I said, I think it's incredibly important that camps do focus on first-year campers, give them some extra attention, and um, that will allow you then to get those kids to return. Um, as many of you have heard me say in podcasts and presentations, it's incredibly important to work on your retaining your campers first and then work on getting new campers after that. Lots of easy ways to do that, which we don't need, need to get into. What I want to talk about today is what we do with first-year campers and um, what your intention is behind that. And so since Jalisa was kind enough to suggest this awesome topic, I'd like to start with what happens at Nuego. What do you do? What's the intention around your first-year campers? 
we're really intentional because we're such a small camp. We can reach out in a different way. So we have a max of 162 campers a week and our return camper rate is right at 75%, which I feel really good about because that's Disney's rate of like return guests to Disney parks. So I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. Um, the first thing that we've started doing, which we stole from Travis is to do bonjoro messages to all of our first year campers before they come to camp. So my program director does this and they're personalized video messages. Bonjoro is a really cool app that will record a quick video that automatically emails it and it beds the video right in an email. So it doesn't seem sketchy to someone opening it up and they don't have to download the app to see the video. And we personalize the messages. So, hey, Susie, it's Julissa from Camp Nuevo. I just saw that you signed up for camp for the first time ever. I saw that you heard about it from your friend Sally and that you're really excited to go swimming. I can't wait for you to see the waterfront. It's going to be so beautiful. I'll be one of the first faces you see at camp this summer. We're counting down the days. And if you want more information leading up to camp, check out our Facebook live chat this May. And we have an open house in April where you can tour camp for yourself. So we'll put like all of that in a little bonjour message and send it out. And I like that you can see that families have viewed or haven't viewed them. That's a nice like indicator. We also set up families with pin pals. So if they're a new camper, they can get a pin pal with someone who will be in their cabin this summer, who is either a returning camper or another new camper. They can make the request and we just match families up and say, here's the contact information. You can email, but snail mail, like physical letters are even better. Here you go. And we stole that idea, I think, from Birch Trails. And then uh, we also take the time to individually call. I do all of the new campers within 48 hours of arrival. Like I call the families and tell them how they're doing. Um, this started with a brilliant idea from Green River Preserve from Anne. And I go back and forth of do I warn the families that I'm going to call them or do I not warn the families that I'm going to call them? Because if you warn the families, then they're anxious about receiving a call. And if you have it called by a certain time on Tuesday, they get a little panicked versus if you do warn them, then they're not so afraid when the camp number flashes up on their cell phone. So I haven't found a perfect answer to that, but I, I do this by giving my counselors a, a worksheet for all of the new campers and they fill out like one thing that camper has enjoyed, a name of a new friend that camper has made, any concerns or things that parents should be aware of. Something like, we realize she only has X pairs of underwear. This might be a concern. Would you like us to pick some up at Walmart? Kind of a thing. And it's been really insightful. I do have to lock myself away somewhere that I won't get interrupted, like hidden at camp in order to like knock these phone calls out in like a two hour chunk. Uh, but those are just a few of the things that we do at Camp Nuevo that have been really successful for first-time families. Thank you, Julissa. That's awesome. Gab, does Worrell have some specific things around first-year families? Yeah, we do. I was just, I was just thinking that, uh, Julissa, you can tell that you've done the Bongiorno um, video uh, speech many times. That was uh, really well done. Um, yeah, we do, we do quite a few things. I think that, I think that it's, if we look at it on the business side, obviously having returning uh, campers, first year campers come back financially makes sense. But I think if you implement it into your camp culture that you want every kid to belong, then you can bring your, your campers on board and your staff on board. That is not just a business decision, but this, part, this is part of our, our value system, this is part of our mission statement. So I've said this many times before, but we bring in our returning campers a couple of hours before our new campers come in. I, it's just yes. me and the campers, and we talk about how we want to welcome um, our new campers. And we, and we speak specifically on times where people have fun and specifically on times where it can feel awkward or alone. So, for example, when you're lining up for, for meals outside the dining room, that's when, that's when you're chatting with your friends. That's when you're, you're talking about last year. And that's what I'm expecting my um, returning campers to be engaging with our, our new campers. And um, we've been doing this for many years now and so much so that I can have my older campers up on stage with me. They run most of what I'm talking about. We talk about the differences between clumping and cliques and so clumps awesome. totally makes sense. Um, I say it's natural that you want to be with your friends. It's natural that you want to 
you know, join together. Um, but you have to sort of push a little bit against that and for about three days. Um, this not, this, you're not being a clique, you're just, this is a natural action. So that's something that we do. I also like to, the, we also do the phone calls um, and, um, but we also send in um, the staggered, we have staggered emails, uh, about five staggered emails that we send to, to our, our new families to help them get ready for the summer that has testimonials and tips and tricks. And that's one of, that was one of the, instead of giving them a package of full information, which we do, but we break down that information again in an email in a fun way, uh, um, obviously nicely, a nice graphic, so it's easy to, to read. Um, but we've had a lot of, um, a lot of feedback uh, from those staggered emails and we, we space them out so that um, it's a couple of months before they arrive. So if, if they're August campers, it's, it leaves in a different date than if they're, if they're July campers. But I think the number one thing that has been helpful is just uh, talking to our, um, talking to, to new family members, asking them what drew that drew them to our camp and what, what's making their decision to come back or not come back. And just having that conversation with families already builds that relationship and it gives you information on what you need to keep doing uh, over and over again and, and maybe something that you need to replace. And I think, um, as you mentioned, Travis, at the beginning of, of, um, of the podcast, research is so important. And we realized that one of our highest return rates were from families that were flying in to camp. That was one of our highest return rates. And we realized when we looked at that, it was because our communication was so much higher with the, those families. And so how can, how can you adjust that so it hits all families? How can you, and that's when we created the staggered emails. So evaluating so and, and talking to your families, super important. Brilliant. Thanks, Caps. Joe, what, what things do you folks think about when it comes to first-time campers and their families? Well, when we, when we think about first-time campers, um, we don't have a really set way before they, before they come, we invite them to an open house because most of our campers are close enough um, within a, an hour's drive or half an hour's drive of camp that they can come to our you know, Discover Camp Day in May and we do that, we do a weekend of staff training and then um, <clears throat> we have on the Sunday, we invite uh, anybody who wants to come to our camp, uh, Discover Camp Day, which is a great way to get those parents who have those first year campers who might be afraid of sending their kid to camp or don't know you as a staff. And so they can come and meet your staff because it's at the end of staff training. So we just keep everybody here. So that Discover Camp Day turns into new campers coming or potential campers coming as well as campers who, uh, returning campers who've missed camp, get that opportunity to meet that year's staff before they come to camp during the summer. So Discover Camp Day is a big one. Um, uh, last year, uh, we started this, um, a couple of years ago, we started this idea that first-year campers, we will give every first-year family a phone call in September just to check in on their, their experience during the summer. Awesome. And that is, uh, that is just to, to make them to be, and it's not a sales. Um, the first time we did it, it ended up being a bit later. And so it ended up being more of a sales call because registration was opening. And I was like, no, I, we just want it to be a, a, a touch, right? Like just to say, how was Jenna's summer, right? Like how was her week at camp? What could we have done better? And the people we get a hold of, and you only get a hold of about 50% of the people when you do these calls were just floored that we asked and, and they shared their, they shared how much their campers loved it and how they would come back. And, and we put all of that into our database. Um, first year campers, it's weird. We started a, uh, last year we started a camper um, program. So Dan, years ago, Dan talked about uh, the badge or the, the badge system that uh, Frost Valley uses. And I've been thinking of various things and I ended up biting the bullet last year and buying, um, brands for tree cookies. And so we have a, a branded tree cookie that says Pierce Williams, and then we put the year on it and you get that, but you only get that if you're second year or higher, because if I did it for all first year campers, I would have to burn a ton of tree cookies. And so it, it, that's a weird thing, but what it shows is those first year campers who've had a great week on the Friday, 
they get to see the other campers getting their second, third, fourth, fifth, up to, you know, 10 and 11 year tree cookies. Um, and that has, that's not something I do for first year families or first year campers. It's something that I specifically don't give so that they have something that can, can attract them to come back. And I was surprised that small thing of not, um, of not giving it led some campers to saying, you know, those parents have contacted me um, over email shortly after their kids left and said, you know what, like my daughter just did her first week and she saw some camper get her 10 year plaque with 10 with, you know, with all of these tree cookies. And she's like, I want to go back so I can get my 10 year plaque. And I was like, perfect. That's the exact reason that, uh, that that I'm going for. So, uh, it was, it was great. Excellent. Thank you. Dan, you're of all of us here, you operate on the biggest scale by a factor of 10. Um, (laughs) what, what's Frost Valley's thinking around first year families? Yeah, so um, so this is a funny topic for me. You know, I, I became a father five years ago, and my kid going to the camp program completely shifted my paradigm. You know, before I would see this topic in conferences or yeah, of course. emails and be like, oh, yeah, it's important. Yeah, like they're going to be nervous. That makes sense. And then um, registering my own kid for our own day camp and getting that email afterwards um, that confirmed registration. I was like, this is awful. This is, this is, this is not what we want at all. And so we actually took a hard look at everything we were doing. And um, so much of camp uh, perception, especially for a first time camper, is from the parent, right? So if the parents getting their kid excited, they, they, there's going to be less homesickness, they're going to have a positive attitude about it. So um, we took this attitude of, of we need to befriend the family as much as possible, prior to coming to camp, and then do exactly some of the things like Joe just mentioned, of like, calling every family afterwards and debriefing camp with them. And uh, if we poured our time and energy into that, that they would become our best marketing tool, that they would be our word of mouth marketing tool. And it's worked. Um, you know, for us, the, you know, it, it takes a lot of uh, strategy, like, you know, looking at Bonjuro and, and, you know, for us to do that, we'd have to like have a set person doing it on what, what day because of our scope and size, but it's totally doable in, in these aspects. Like for instance, um, while we were talking, I pulled up a spreadsheet. I have that one of our registrars, her job is just to call people as they register, you know, once a week, pick a time and just call people register that week that are new. And, um, a lot of time, like most of this is voicemail, but she, she takes notes, like spoke with Deborah, uh, gave her information about the open house. I'm super happy that we called, you know, just those little moments, um, with families build the trust. And if you could build that months beforehand, when they come to drop off their kid, you're automatically going to have a more engaged kid, a kid that feels better about camp. So, um, so I think it's important to recognize that it's the whole family experience, you know, it's not just the child. Um, uh, but you, you're definitely doing things for both. So, um, you know, so for us, it's from like the greeting they get uh, from the email. So they're actually getting an email, that's a, a receipt email, and then they're getting a separate email that's just from the director of that program saying. Um, so excited to meet you. Here's the things to look forward to. Um, it's humoring every question and letting them know they're not, um, nervous or weird for, um, asking a question. Being a parent is, you just feel vulnerable all the time, like all the time. And, um, anytime you can put someone at ease, even if the question's ridiculous uh, that, that, uh, you hadn't thought about that and you love to talk about it, like building that rapport is huge. Um, you know, uh, pushing open houses, pushing tours, I, I, like, uh, you know, if they could build a mental expectation of what your food's going to taste like, of what your bed's going to be. So when that child comes home and says, I didn't like the food, they be like, well, we were there for open house. You found tons of options. All of a sudden, they're defending your camp instead of saying, oh, that's, that's awful. Camp food must be awful. Um, you know, they, they, they're on your side um, in that sense. Um, you know, I, uh, Julissa's idea of, of calling everybody with 48 hours arrival. Um, we have a program that we're serving children with disabilities and we actually do that for that program. But for our other programs, we just use email um, because of the, the amount, sheer amount of kids. And um, both are effective. Um, both create that dialogue. Um, but I, the biggest thing is just the follow through. Like if you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. So if you say you're going to upload 80 photos every other day and you miss a day of uploading them, then to that new family, they're now wondering the safety of their child. They're now questioning 
if they should be coming back. They, like, um, like for instance, we do busing and one of our bus stops is in Brooklyn and, uh, you know, we can't control traffic. We can't control weather. <laughs> we can't control how some things are going to turn out. And, um, you know, I've heard from some families, like I, I'm questioning coming back just purely because of a half hour bus stop. And, um, there's ways around that. You gotta, you gotta figure out, do you need to put people down there? Do you need to give a little more TLC on your emails? But like, uh, just refining and looking for your holes where people are coming back from. Like I love Gab's story as well too, but yeah, I think anything you do with personal touches, um, a lot of families are comfortable with email. Um, you know, like if you're doing phones, expect to just get voicemails and that's okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's for us, it's all about that personal touch and, but doing it in a way that everybody gets it. Talk about words. So. I think that well, one thing I would interject one way that camps have been, um, camps have been doing a lot of communication is by text bulk text through remind. And, um, and it has been in, posted in Camp Pros just this week that Remind is basically going to be shut down in Canada um, for the summer and will be effectively shut down in the States because they're not going to work on Verizon network. Verizon won't let them send out texts anymore. So uh -huh. until there is some other thing that, you know, what was the, the this glory solution? It really was apparently too good to be true um, or too good to last, I guess. Um, is going to be taken away. So people will have to put some thought into that, getting their families onto an app for bulk texting, stuff like that, et cetera. I want to, I want to go back to one of my opening points so that I can address it in detail. This is about the metrics of this and understanding your, your registration and how that um, affects lots of things. So the, the one thing I was saying is you should be tracking over time. Do kids come for, What's the average length of time that kids come? Five years, seven years, whatever your age span is. Um, and it's always, if you can get kids to come for one more year, that's an easier group of kids to get to camp than um, brand new families. But one would be thinking about the places where they drop off. So if kids come for one season, do we notice if they don't come back? Or if kids who are first year kids, do more of them drop off? moving into the second year than those who have been here for second year going to third, third into fourth, et cetera. So that tracking stuff is really important. You should be talking to your database company about how to set up those reports and working through that with them so that you have a clear understanding of that. If you've never run that, no time like the present, but a great thing to run in the fall so that you have an understanding and you can change your targeting around those things. So that piece of understanding is the most important part of beginning this process, understanding how much time and effort it makes sense to put into this, what you invest in this. As I said, heard from Steve and Susie from Camp Champions in Texas about the work that they have done about this over the years. And they started with hiring a staff member in the summer who would work for the four months of time off college. And they would be the new family liaison for the year. They would reach out when they got to camp and started the job and connect with people throughout the month. That made such a difference in Camp Champions' return rate that they uh, ended up hiring two people the next year. And then they ended up hiring somebody full-time and made them so much money, changing their return rate so greatly, it made them enough money that they could afford to hire someone full-time to be a first-year family liaison. And I believe, last time I heard, they have two year-round first-year family liaisons um, who are at camp in the summer, but are the contacts of the families. It has made them that much money. It has been that worth that much investing. So, so worth figuring out how to figure out those kind of things. Uh, I was wondering if anyone has any other ideas they've heard from other people that they're interested in trying or experiments that they're going to be running for this year. We, we just um, started two years ago having uh, conversations um, solely with um, with returning uh, with new uh, campers and we titled it that's weird and we asked them to uh, um, talk about what were some of the things that they find really weird about the camp and what are things that are like now funny weird and they totally get it and what are things that they just don't understand so why do I have to x at this time of day um, and it's basically kind of almost a game where they they come up with like the weirdest stuff that they find about camp and it's and it and for me um, one, it's really, really hilarious um, and, um, and, 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 and funny. Two, I can answer questions for them. 
And three, every once in a while, there's something where I'm like, that is weird. Why do we do that? And we started doing that with staff members um, earlier, um, maybe 10 years ago. And, and uh, one, of our, one of our leadership team members said, you know, it'd be really cool is if we did this with some of our senior campers that are Smart. new. Yep. And then we just expanded it. The, the, only, the only ones that we don't really do it with are the youngest that are eight years old. They're almost all new. And, um, um, but we, you know, we have different ways of figuring out how, how they're doing. Um, but um, because it just became a that's weird about, you know, how somebody was wearing what clothes. But, um, so, but the, that's weird was, for me, has been, it's really eye-opening and, um, and it makes it a safe space for them to speak up as well. So um, I'm, we're definitely going to be doing that more often. Yeah, I appreciated Gab's bringing it back to like, it's not just a financial mission of getting returned campers back at camp yeah, and first time families, but it should be like the heart of your camp to want everyone to feel like they belong. Um, and I love Joe and, and talking about open house and we do a similar thing in the spring. Our campers are very close by and we're fortunate enough to have a youth advisory council that meets once a month that are campers nominated by our staff. And we invite that youth advisory council to come to our open house and they, along with camp counselors, lead the tours for first-time families. And to see parents' faces when this like self-sufficient nine-year-old is leading a tour of camp and seems like so poised and like so responsible and, and loves camp so much, it's such an amazing thing to have parents be like, oh my gosh, I want my daughter to be like this camper. Um, and if she camp, if she comes to camp, she could give a tour like this, you know, she could be this well-spoken. And so it's kind of a nice way to show the impact of camp to those first time families and to do some training, like what Gabs does with those campers. You know, we tell the campers, your favorite story at camp might be about how the raccoons ate your food on the camp out and how fun and hilarious that was. First-time camp families don't always think raccoons eating breakfast is a hilarious thing about camp. <laughs> they might find that a little off-putting. Let's put our best foot forward and talk about all the good food we have at camp and not the resilience you built in these like rough situations that camp actually puts you in. So we have to do a little bit of the training with our return campers to remind them not to scare off new camp families with these like horror stories about camp because they love them. They're so proud of what they've been through. Um, but just wanted to put that in. If you can, if there's any way to involve campers in your uh, outreach to families, that can be really powerful. And, and, in the, and when you're talking to those campers, you can use, you know, uh, we use Michael Brandwine's um, Westie and I teach campers Westie and um, for anybody, I mean, obviously Michael Brandwine's um, stuff is amazing. So you don't get his books and everything, but it's basically, um, I think it's a warm smile. I teach it eye contact, <laughs> shake hand, tell them something, introduce them to somebody else. Boom, crushed it. So, um, but, uh, <laughs> but I teach that to our campers and, um, they really do, they do that. They do that to when they're, when they're meeting new campers and it is cool for other families to see that these, that it is a welcoming environment. Yeah. 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 I know that, uh, Cub Creek Science Camp in Missouri does, the, they call it their ambassador program, which is less about what families do at home and more about those kids who get trained to do tours and, um, and to talk about camp. That's a really great idea. I think for us, you know, um, uh, we're just revamping our family handbook. Um, you know, like uh, we're particularly on the topic of mental health. You know, we've had some really great strides with um, adding support staff for that. But having actually um, that topic be forefront in our family's minds, we haven't done an amazing job with. So basically just having a page in our in our family handbook about mental health at camp and how sometimes things can pop up for the first time and please know we're going to take it seriously. Um, it, you know, the, the age of adolescence, a lot of times when they're experiencing mental health issues, they, they either hidden from their family or it's the first time. And, and, you know, like it could be just, it could be pretty jarring for a family when they haven't seen that before. Um, and camp could be, uh, it could be a lot of pressure when you're living with seven other kids 
and two staff you don't normally live with. Like there's a lot of things that could come up. Um, so that's something we're, we're taking seriously in that sense. I think one of the challenges with first year campers is how they talk about camp when they leave camp. Um, and it's not just for first year campers, it's for parents as well. And I just had the idea sitting here that um, it'd be great to give a first year camper gift um, that would help them. The idea in my mind, fully unformed, is this idea of uh, print something on a bandana, which is inexpensive, but a how to talk about camp, which this. could then go yes, home yes, with yes. first year campers. And, but also that helps the parents of how to talk about camp with their, their friends. Because a lot of the conversations you hear from first year parents are, well, my friends don't think she's old enough to go at 11. And I was like, at 11, you've missed the boat a little bit, um, <laughs> but you still have time to correct it. But like this idea of giving first year something that helps them place the, the, the camp experience in their, in their, um, in their life. We have changed our wording based on, I've been doing a lot of uh, conferences and research into fundraising and, 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 and whatnot. And, and using that wording in marketing camp is huge as well, because one of, the, one of the things in fundraising is that you should always have twice as many U's in a, in a, in a letter than I's or we's. And so when you, switch your, when you switch that into the camp marketing stuff and you're like, well, we're amazing and we help kids do this and we do that. When you flip that and you say, you know, and, and we just listened to Tom Ahern uh, had, a, had a webinar the other day, and he talked about this idea of mental nods, right? Like when you put something in to marketing or fundraising work and somebody hears it and they're like, hmm, yeah. And you can think in your own life, like when you read something, you're reading a book and you're like, huh, yeah, that's a mental nod. And so the mental nod um, gets them into your system. And so we were just reworking the wording on some of our marketing materials. And I started off, and this, a lot of camps would, but I started this paragraph off with the phrase, it's hard to raise kids in today's world. And there, you're going to get a mental nod. Everybody's going to nod to that, whether Very they do it physically or whether they do it internally. And then you're like, we're here to help. Invest in your child and give them the skills. Camp helps you become a better parent and helps your child become a better citizen, right? And, and, and what you're talking about is more to them than about how awesome you are. Because we know how awesome we are, but a first-year camper parent has, right in that conversation that Gab talked about in, in What's Weird, they're going to talk a lot about what's weird because they don't get it. And Travis, you talk about the, you know, the phrase, the magic of summer camp. And, and how we shouldn't use that because first year campers have zero and parents have zero sort of um, reference, reference point. To the magic of summer camp is. But this idea that you're investing in your child by sending, you know, and you want them to gain these skills and camp can do this through these various methods and your child can leave as a better person and better ready for society. So it's, it's the, the, the phrasing and the way you write it, um, has really changed the way I write everything. I'm, I, I worked for two hours this morning on a grant proposal and, and it's funny because you would think, well, in a grant proposal, do you really need to say it? Well, whoever's reading it is going to feel great that I've mentioned them twice as much as I've mentioned us. Right. And, and that's the thing is you're trying to get people to say, great in sending my kid to camp is awesome for me and awesome for my kid. It, it's, it's two ways. And so with, we really, uh, and, and the biggest kick is that with first year families, that's the big thing that we need to, we need to get across that camp is an investment. And, and I've thought about this five years ago, I was, I had, was in Australia and it's hard to believe that it was that long ago, but the idea of, um, and I toured 15 different facilities in Australia if, and summer camp and outdoor recreation facilities and outdoor education facilities. But the big takeaway is that parents in Australia consider sending their kid away for a school trip an investment in their kid's education. So the government doesn't pay for it. The, the families pay for it. And, and we, that's not our culture here in Canada. And I don't think it's the culture in, in the U.S., Right. A lot of trips are, are funded by someone. But the idea that 
camp is an investment. So to spend 500 or 700 or $800 a week um, to get these skills, you know, then it is, it's really something that we can convince first year. If we can convince parents of this, and especially first year campers, then they will sell, they will sell us to others to be like, well, why aren't you sending your kid to camp? Like you want your kid to be less of a person if they don't go to camp. <laughs> but you keep that out of your use statements about being oh, less well, of a yeah, person. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I only say. Yes. But I mean, that's the whole thing, right? Like you, you look at, um, like we serve um, Latino families and uh, it's not in their culture to send their, pay somebody, especially to, to send their kid away. Family always watches them. So if they can understand what's the benefit of a young adult watching their child versus their grandparents, which is typically what happens, um, then, and they can articulate that, that's, that's key, right? That's when they'll keep coming back. And then that's how they will become your advocates as well. And an easy way to do that too, is, um, um, we changed our last, our second to last day of camp, um, where we would have one of our bigger activities, but an afternoon of, um, sort of group time. And we made these little booklets and call them memory books. And the last page of memory books is um, just the simple, you're awesome because dot, dot, dot. And kids pass that around and they read something nice about each other. But there's also a place where they get stickers for all the activities that they did. There's a place for them to write their favorite camp food, um, their highlights. So they have this sort of memory book um, afternoon um, and sitting, you know, outside in the grass. It's very calm, really relaxed. Sections heads walking around. And campers love it, but it is exactly what Joe was talking about. We did that because we wanted proof. Uh, we wanted kids to have proof of their camp experience that was beyond, it, you know, camp magic. And so here, here's what other people are saying. Um, and then uh, counselors also uh, write in it as well. And so that's something that uh, we have kids that have posted this. They have their memory books from years, and those are posted on their walls. Um, but it, it is, it is a, a testimonial of their of their experience it's a little bit more proof and it gives parents you know a, a tool to talk to their kids about uh, their child's camp experience and it's huge gab because we we do that at numerous conferences so at the buckeye leadership workshop you do warm fuzzies but also a lot of think together groups will do and i'm special because she we do it at our staff party here what i've taken to and i what i tell my staff um you know on a on a a Friday night in August when they are, have just finished camp, they're about to, the, to go off to school. I'm like, don't, you are with these people now. Don't spend time reading that I'm special because now, because you don't need it right now. You're going to need it in October. You're going to need it in November. I just put mine in my tickler file that I, that I have so that it just pops up occasionally. So I have Buckeye ones and I have camp ones and, and other things. And I think for campers, that's, that's huge as well because it shows the camper that somebody cared for them and it shows the parents that other people actually noticed their child. Yeah. And, and I call this stuff getting past fine, that camps need to give parents the tools to do a follow-up on camp because they're going to say, how is camp? The kid's going to, in the car or after they've been picked up from the bus, the kid's just going to be, how is camp? Fine because they're tired and, and lots of stuff. But if you have the cues, you can get them talking. And so the bandana is an awesome idea. The book, the memory book is such an, a great idea. I also think that it's, it's a good camp practice, but really great if this was focused on first year families to at the end of a session, three days or two days before the session ends, write home and say, here are the big things that happened during your kid's session. Please ask them about it because they not, may not remember. There are a lot of big things in their life in their session at camp. So ask them about these very specific things. All of well, these are and, tools for getting past. And Travis, that's, that's huge. My daughter attends Nuego and um, Jen came back. My wife came back and said, yeah, I do. <laughs> And said, hey, like, you know what Nuego does? They stand up and say what happened because they're short in a short session. You don't have time to write. So somebody stands up, a program director or a camp director stands up and says what happened and ask your child about this. And we switched to that. Um, we stole that from Nuego and we started doing it last year. We had our program director and our wilderness coordinator up and just saying, here are the big things. And, and 
Um, we we did let campers say what the what their biggest memory was, but then we we instructed those staff members to be really specific and say, make sure you ask your camper about the canoe trip. Make sure you ask your camper about the tie dye experience or the barn fest, right? All of those things. So it's it it's another way, not just to help first year families, but also to help other families get past the um, how was the food fine? How was and we do camper letters as well at Nuego. So that's a tradition that has been going on since the 1940s, where the counselors write an individualized letter to each camper, not just first-time families, but everyone. And that letter is mailed the week after that child is at camp. And we have scripts that they can somewhat follow, um, but they, they really do a nice job of making it personalized and putting in some details. And our campers will have scrapbooks, like our alumni who are in their you know 60s and 70s will come to alumni reunions and bring their scrapbooks of camper letters of what their counselors have written about them. And you do have to do some training because you wanna be honest in those letters. And if a camper struggles with missing home, you don't wanna leave that out and say like, oh, Travis had a great time, didn't miss home at all. It was fantastic, you know, you have to put in truth in those letters, um, but parents really treasure them and then it transfers to the campers treasuring them later in life and, and really saving those letters. And we started doing that at staff training to train the counselors how to write these letters. They would write a letter to the right. family of another staff member and we mail out that letter. So this year at staff training, Joe really excelled at lifeguard training and he was anxious about the lifeguard swim, but crushed it. And it was so, you know, all these details and the families have really appreciated getting those letters about their staff member from another staff member. So it's kind of extended to that program as well. We, we've done something similar, uh, but with uh, birthday cards. So we actually have the, the counselors write a birthday card to their camper while they're at camp. And then they hand it in us, we proof it. And then we, um, we just mail it out at the beginning of the month of their birthday. And I've heard from so many families that is that, that just, keeps them coming back year after year. But I also think that sometimes I love the, we do the birthday cards, Dan, we have everybody sign them. Um, smaller group, we send them out the Wednesday before their birthday, but that's just uh, a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, fits in. The one thing that I think um, we don't do enough is give them something physical to hold on to. Um, we think that digital is enough and this is for staff and for campers. And, and um, I was recently going through some old papers and I found a staff photo from the summer of 1992 of the Wood Eden Easter Seals camp staff, of which I was a part of. And um, I found it and I noticed this guy in it. And I was like, dude, that's our accountant. Like that's who comes in and does our books once a year. And so we, we hung it on the wall in the boardroom and we waited for Scott to arrive last week. And um and it's not Scott. It looks, it's exactly, it looks exactly like Scott. But then in looking at the photo closer, I said to, um, I brought it home and I said to my wife, I said, is this, was this lady not a teacher of yours for the past four years at your other school? And sure enough, it was, and I wouldn't have known. And, and it, it becomes one of those, it's the same reason a few years ago, we tried to send, um, we tried to do our Christmas cards differently. So for Christmas, we send out cards with the cabin photos in them, literally a, a, a four by six cabin photo. And one year we printed them in the card versus sending them a photo that fit into die cuts on the card. And people complained that they couldn't take the photo out and just keep the photo, right? And I was like, okay, great. We'll just get photos printed at Costco and, and continue with the die cut method. And, and it's those physical items that, uh, you know, I think to myself, we send all of our staff a digital staff photo, but really a, a physical staff photo might be something that they are more opt to put up on a wall because they don't have to go through the procedure of printing it out and, and finding it somewhere. Excellent. Well, thank you all. Um, I'm one, one more chance to go around. I have three little things that I thought of in prep for this. I want to see if, um, anybody else has other ideas or things that you've heard of that you really can help um, the people who are listening focus on first year families. Um, the one thing I would say is I think in follow up, first year families deserve a different survey than other families. And this goes back to Gab's question. It sounds like War is doing it in their own way. Um, that survey should include things like what was weird? What didn't you understand that you wish you understood? 
And you should be asking that within a week of their kids getting home so that you get better responses. The answers are fresher for the kids. Other things I think are great. One is doing a new parents meeting where it's a, a world doing this on recording this on Zoom. You could do the same sort of thing, just open up a meeting room and allow parents to come in. This idea comes straight from Ruby from our Camp Code podcast. And I think she's actually talked about it on Camp Hacker before where she would host a meet the director meeting for new families. She would have one small topic prepared to talk for five to seven minutes on as an educational piece for those new families. Like you need to know about this or here's how to talk to your kid to prepare them for camp. And, um, and it would be recorded and mailed out to all first year families who couldn't attend. And they would each month do a different topic. So they built up a library in, in Ruby's job at Green River Preserve, she said they were able to measurably reduce homesickness by 80% by doing these meetings ahead of time. So prepping the families to prep their kids. And I think that that sort of would be an awesome idea too. just do a short series of every two years re-record it, but just do a short series of here are the things you need to know as a new parent, as a first year family, um, here's the stuff. And you may say to me, you may be yelling in the car, but Travis, we said this to them in a letter and every single one of us listening and everybody who's part of this conversation knows parents don't read. And so you have to mix up the media for this. You have to give it to them multiple ways and multiple times. So send them this, the videos one at a time after they register, then send them the link to where those videos live on the web. They can find a refresher or catch up on them and send it in their handbook do all that, but make some lessons for how you talk to your kids, how you prepare um, things, not to say all of that stuff can cut down on the anxiety of the kid and the, the parents in the first year and will help them come into camp with a really great attitude, looking forward to many more years of, of camp because you have done that. The other thing is this says to a parent, if they're intent, this intentional about us, and our fears, then we are reassured about how intentional they are about the rest of camp and all those things. You're setting that precedent early. Um, so I want to check in. Who, anybody else have any, any other ideas or things you want to try or that you think? Can, can I just comment on um, the parents don't read uh, thing? Uh, you know, the, to kind of dive deep into that, like it, you have to understand that the life of a parent is just constantly moving. And, um, and it's moving beyond your own control. So it's not like you could say like, Oh, at seven 30, I am going to read that because at seven 30 is when your five-year-old dumps a whole pitcher of water all over the floor. And he has been a half hour mopping it up. And that's, it's, it's not because it's a lack of care. It's, it, it's just because of this busyness. And that's why the, the repetition works is because if they see the constant messaging of it and yet, and you have to be concise with your messaging. Um, it, like it, it, when you do that, it, it, that's why it's effective. Um, it's not because they don't care. Um, they do care. They're paying a mortgage payment to send their kid the most valuable possession to your camp. Um, so like they do care. It's just that it, it's time is the, the enemy. Yeah. I think the other thing, Dan, is that, um, in, in research, it shows that we write, we try to write at a certain grade level. And in fundraising research, you need to, they tell you to write between levels three and six, no more, no higher than grade six. And they're like, it's not saying that you're trying to reach dumb people. It's that smart people love the ability to skim information. Yeah. Right. And if you can write it in a way that's skimmable and given in multiple factors, especially for first year parents, but in eye tracking uh, those letters, it shows where people don't read. And they don't read the middle of your letter. So you literally have to do that repetition that Dan just mentioned numerous times in the same letter. Awesome. That's great. I think my idea, Travis, would be that first-year campers, send them home with something. Give them something that is physical and tactile that they can remember camp with. Be it a, a special camp stone, be it a, a tree cookie of, of, you know, be it we, all of our kids go home with their name tag tree cookies. Um, and so they have that that memory and then they get over the course of the year, they'll get a birthday card, which they can keep and is signed by all the staff. And and then they'll get a, a cabin photo that they can keep. And, and I think this physical and tactile nature of camp um, can go a long way for first time parents to and first time campers to remember what they loved about camp. Yeah. 
Yeah, we give a gift when kids first arrive to camp. Uh, we give every child a water bottle, and it's distinct for that year. Um, there's a just like a small amount of families that don't take it just because they have last year's water bottle. But for the majority of it, a lot of kids are excited to get the new water bottle. And then exactly what Joe was just saying, we you know kids are leaving um, camp with a, a patch that is distinct for their program with the, the year at camp. So if you're a first-year camper, it says like a W and a 1 for Camp Wallyanda. Um, and then you could work your way up to 10, which is a star. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, I've heard kids say, I had a good time at camp. I had a better time last year, but I need to come back because I need to get my fifth year patch. <laughs> the dollar patch, and that's an expensive patch. I mean, you get them for 35 cents. Uh, keeps a child coming back to camp. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you, everyone. Uh, I love that. And uh, I'm grateful we had a chance to to focus on it for some time today. Thanks again to Lisa. What a great idea. Awesome. Uh, let us then switch over to our tool of the week. Tool of the week. So we invite everybody who comes on the Camp Hacker podcast to share a tool of the week with us. And that is just something that they do or something that they use that makes them a better camp director. And Joe, yours is more of a philosophy than a tool today. It is more of a philosophy than a tool. I was, I was looking through our, our past tools of the week to talk about uh, buying the best phone you can afford. I recently bought a, a Pixel 3 XL and I bought my kids at the same time uh, Pixel 3s, which is essentially one of the highest rated, if not the highest rated Android uh, phone that you can have. And it reminded me, this started for me really in uh, at Lakehead University in Thunder Bay, Ontario in outdoor recreation, this idea that our professors said to us as outdoor rec students, you should buy the best outdoor gear and equipment and clothing that you can afford um, because it's going to save your life in certain situations. And, and some things, when you go to a phone or a computer or a coat or a car, you want to buy the best you can afford so that you don't, it, oftentimes over the longevity of that product, you save any money that you would have, um, you would have spent on replacing it because it, it has a longer service life. It often has a better warranty. Um, and I find the older I get, the more I'm relying on very specific brands, things that I continually buy. I buy Duluth Trading Company clothing. I buy darn tough socks, right? I wear keen shoes. Um, things that I like and trust and would, would buy again and again. I have an Asus laptop, and, and when I'm looking for a new computer, I tend to lean towards Asus because it's a five-year-old laptop that is still kicking along. And so buying the best you can afford is one of these um, great things. And oftentimes people, um, people will go to, well, the phone company will give me this free phone, um, and I'm like, well, don't take the free phone, like pay a few extra hundred dollars now to, to, to get it in the future. Um, and part of this in, in the best you can afford as a tool of the week as a concept is you need to have research and trusted sites and people. If you are searching for new books um, and you ask friends for new books and, um, and let's say the first time you ask, you get uh, somebody gives you a book recommendation, you're like, ah, that, that book sucked. Um, you're not going to have that as a trusted person anymore. The same with music. When somebody says, you should listen to this band, and I listen, and I'm like, I'm not into it. But like, I trust uh, certain websites for things like, uh, like Wirecutter, and um, I don't always trust Amazon reviews, but I trust my friends. So camping friends, Andrew Paler said he loves the DJI Spark as a, as a drone. And, um, and I got to play with his drone when we were in uh, Lake Tahoe together. And so... Um, I trust that that is a, a great choice to make. And so it's buying the best you can afford and find a way to, to a, a site or somewhere where you can trust those reviews and, um, and move forward with it. Excellent. Thank you, Joe. Julissa, what's your tool? My tool of the week, uh, full shout out to my husband who found this as a survival preparedness guy. 
Um, it is a portable car jump starter by Anku. Uh, you get this on Amazon for like 50 bucks. And it essentially is a way to jump your car without another vehicle present. So instead of hooking up jumper cables from one car to another, it's a portable car starter. It holds a charge for like an obnoxious amount of time. You charge it with like a USB port or with the cigarette lighter of your car. Um, it's idiot proof. So very, very easy to use. So when you've connected everything correctly, it gives you a nice, like you're correct. And it's, it's fantastic. We used it the other week to jump my mom's car. And so we're putting them in all of our camp vehicles this summer because we're in pretty remote locations. And often with our wilderness tripping program, we're sending vehicles to remote locations where there might not be another car present to be able to jump someone should the battery die. Um, and I like that any staff would be able to use it, even if they're a, a newer driver or haven't necessarily jumped a car before. Very portable, very lightweight, and a great investment for your camp vehicles. That is brilliant. Thank you so much. Dan, what is your tool? Great. Um, so my tool is a, a meeting notebook um, from Cambridge. Uh, I, I just picked up at Staples, but I'm sure you can get online anywhere. Um, so the, the notebook, basically the pages are kind of preset, uh, but it, um, I, I go to a fair amount of meetings. And I think the hardest thing about a meeting is like you come up with a great idea or you say you're going to do something and then you forget you're going to do it. So um, I basically just bring this notebook around with me for any meeting I'm attending. Um, and then, the, you know, any in-depth parent phone call, any donor, um, it just is a good list of uh, way to do it. So the top of it just has date and topic. The meeting objectives is actually a nice thing. Um, whenever I'm meeting with somebody, it's a prompt for me to remember to like, so what are the goals for this meeting? And it, instead of rather just sliding into my own agenda, and then um, then a whole section for notes, and then at the bottom is just action items. So basically, what I do is I bring this notebook around um, every few days. I make sure that all the action items ended up on my actual to-do list, um, and then that is a, like kind of a double way of doing it. And then there's been quite a few times where um, someone says, "Oh, don't you remember from that meeting we said this?" And I will go back a month and I have it uh, all listed out. You know, so it's it's nice in that sense. Um, I know I'm sure there's an online format as well too, but I just find works well for me and i just hold on to the notebooks um you know uh it's not too cumbersome so uh, occasionally i scan them in and send people my meeting notes but that's not it so excellent uh gab sends her apologies her internet just cut out uh we'll see if we get her back in um uh, but we'll try to get her back in to get her tool and to give everybody listening a chance to um to contact her if you have follow-up questions from the awesome ideas she shared my tool of the week is a book by a woman named Shannon, Shannon Weber, W-E-B-E-R, and it is called Show Up Hard. And Shannon's a friend of mine, full disclosure, and, um, and she's bounced some of the ideas for this book off of me and others in the mastermind group that we share. But I think it's just a, an amazing opportunity and a great book for people in camp leadership. It is for, it's basically about taking care of your own mental health and your own psychological health if you're in an environment, a work environment, where there are lots of challenges to that, whether it is you are yourself a mental health worker, or in our case, um, camp people trying to deal with all of the different strengths. Um, and so all the strengths and, and pulls on your time is really what I'm trying to say. So Shannon's book is, is here, uh, and it's awesome. I've read it, and, and I love it. It's really thoughtful and lots of good practical things for Camp Pro. So if you look for Show Up Hard, um, you'll find that in our show notes, which leads me to my next point. Um, you can find Gab's, show, Gab's tool also is a, an app called Decide Now and uh, a good iOS app for playing some games and, and doing some stuff with it. Um, Gab uses it. It's on here. Android too. And Android. Excellent. It's good to know. So we'll get Matt to put the link to both of those in uh, in the show notes. So if you go to uh, that noise you hear is uh, Joe doing the decide now for the camera. Um, I'm going skating. So, <laughs> so I, I, I thank everyone for being here. If you want the links to these things, you want uh, some more information about what we've talked about, please go to camphacker.tv slash podcast. And you'll see the show notes for this. This is episode number 111. And uh, you can look for the specific episode to find the show notes. 
so I want to thank everybody for being on the podcast, all the panelists, uh, and just ask them if you could share, Joe, how people can follow up with you if they have any questions about the things you've talked about. Uh, if people want to check out what we do at camp, they can find Pierce Williams at campisbetter.com. Um, they can find me at yoyojoe.com, Y-O-Y-O-J-O-E. And uh, that is the, the best way to reach me and uh, see what I'm up to. Great. And you, Dan? Yep. Uh, so I work for Frost Valley YMCA, which is frostvalley.org. Uh, my email is just campdirector at frostvalley.org as well. And then um, Dan loves camp. I have that for Twitter and for Instagram. Those are easy ways to get in touch. Excellent. Well, thank you both for being on the show today. Jalisa, how can people get in touch with you? They can find more information about how awesome Camp Nuego is at campnuego.org, N-E-W-A-Y-G-O. And they can find me at Jalisa, J-A-L-I-S-A, at campnuego.org. That's great. You should make up a song about how to spell your name. It's hard to pronounce, hard to say, but I like that I get my first name at campnuego.org. Like it's Madonna, you know, like like you don't need a last name because it's so unique. (laughs) That's great. Thanks, Lisa. We're so grateful you come back and join us again today. Thanks. I'm so thrilled. The timing worked out well. So <laughs> That is so good. Excellent. So we also want to take just a second, thank our producer and editor, Matt, for being um, taking care of the show and making sure it gets out there. And uh, it's a great privilege to have you on board, Matt. So thank you for all of the work that you do. And um, yeah, I think the, the best the best thing to leave you on is to, to remind you to go for show notes at camphacker.tv slash podcast. Thanks for the evening, friends. The Camp Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening. Camp Hacker bringing your world into focus.